Welcome to this week's Energy Show. Every year, I gaze into my solar crystal bowl and make 10 educated guesses about the rooftop solar industry. Now, last year, I got pretty lucky. I got 9 out of 10 right. I only missed one about solar venture capital. I thought the the venture capitalists were going to do more in solar last year, and they kind of backed off a little bit, just focusing on really, really mega deals. And and that's um, something that isn't really clicking in the solar industry. But you know what? 2017, it looks like it's going to be a good year for energy and for solar, but there's a lot of uncertainties. And and the way I'm looking at it is the economics for solar keep getting better and better. Electric rates are going up. Solar equipment costs are going down. There's new storage products out there. There's higher efficiency solar panels. All these are really, really good. But but the pol- political situation is, is up in the air. A lot of changes are happening. So we're going to have to see actually what happens. And, and the other bad thing is that there's a lot of talk about the new political dynamics eliminating some of the most important things that have been driving the solar industry. Now, we were talking about the clean power plan and 500 million solar panels that were going to go up. That stuff's not going to happen. The EPA and the DOE, they're kind of, you know, in a challenging situation right now. There's some people that are just talking about eliminating the EPA. Now, I don't think that's going to happen. There's just too much need for that. I don't think the DOE is going to change tremendously. But there's no doubt in my mind that a lot of the investments that our government has been making in energy are going to change. They're going to change more towards the fossil fuel industry. You just look at who's going into President-elect Trump's cabinet. Nevertheless, I remain very optimistic about the whole future of clean technology industries simply because the economics are so compelling. I mean, if you're a homeowner, you just have solar on your roof and you know that you're paying less now than you ever did before, and you're looking at a new system, five, six, four, four, five, six, seven, eight-year paybacks. It's terrific. And you know that electric rates are going to keep going up, and you're going to be locked in at a really low rate. That's really good. And you have these new storage products that are coming out that are going to obviate the need for very expensive utility infrastructure and utility storage products. So I'm very optimistic. And here we go with my 10 predictions for what's going to happen in the rooftop solar industry in 2017. Now, first... The solar panel prices are pretty darn low now, and my, I predict that these prices are going to stay really low. Now, since I've been in the industry since 2001, I've seen prices go up or down. Obviously, the overall trend was, was way, way, way down. Heck, when I started back in 2001, solar panels were costing $4 a watt. So, the, you know, the typical panel that we're putting in right now would cost like $1,100. Now, in, in volumes, these solar panels cost more like you know, $100 a watt. It's like almost a factor of 10. We're down to the point right now where just the cost of the glass and the aluminum is starting to dominate the cost of these solar panels. So my prediction is that the module prices are going to stay roughly at current low levels, and that's 30 cents a 30 cents a watt for megawatt orders. These are big utility scale orders. Mid 40 cents a watt for quantities of uh, container quantities. That's when you get a truckload of these things. And just like a simple small order that would go in a residential home, something in the the mid 50 cents a watt, you know, 55, 60 cents a watt. And and from a manufacturing standpoint, the manufacturers are going to prefer to operate their production lines at full capacity. And full capacity means that they're going to be at full employment. Now, now keep in mind, most of these plants are in Asia. So they're very concerned about making sure everybody has their job. So when prices go down and they have to reduce their costs, a lot of these companies don't necessarily shut down production lines because then they're going to have a lot of unemployment. They just keep these things running. So there's interest. It's, it's not like a normal capitalist 
make decision. These a lot of these companies are there to make sure that their people are employed. So they might do things that are may not be entirely rational from a business standpoint. And what I'm talking about, not entirely rational. They're going to keep manufacturing even though they're manufacturing at a loss or very, very low gross margins. Now, that that's great for anybody that's putting in a solar panel system, solar power system, because you're going to get continue to get low prices. May not be great for manufacturers over the next year or so. Now, as the year progresses, I think these low prices are going to continue. They're not. They're, I don't see any indication that they're going to go back up to say a dollar a watt. They're going to stay down, you know, in, in 30, 40, 50 cent a watt range. What will happen? is that as the year progresses, higher and a higher efficiency solar panels will come out. So instead of seeing you know, panels that are averaging around 270 watts, we're going to see towards the end of the year panels that are going to average more like 290 watts. And the other thing that's going to happen is that some, some smart companies, some far-sighted module companies, are going to start to differentiate their products more. It's not going to be as much of a commodity. They're going to say, how can we make our solar panels better than the competition? They can do that with embedding electronics in there, optimizers or microinverters. They can do that with technology that makes it easier to install the panels, and, and Spice Solar has something along those lines, or they're going to do that with higher efficiency panels. So we're going to see low prices, and as the year progresses, and, and in future years, obviously, these prices, I think, are going to stay low, but the products are going to get better. All right, number two. This is kind of a bummer, but I predict that U.S. solar manufacturing is going to continue to decline. Sadly, the module supply chain is almost entirely from Asia. The cheapest place to get the wafers the cells, the back sheets, that, that plastic that goes on the back, the EVA, which is the glue that goes between the glass and the solar cells, the junction boxes, which connects them, the glass on the front, the aluminum frames. These items are all cheaper in Asia, and the quality is comparable to what can be purchased in the U.S. In fact, some of these things just aren't made in the U.S. Now, we've got a lot of political rhetoric about bringing manufacturing back to the U.S., and, and I'm all for that. We've been installing solar panels made in San Jose for over two years. The thing is that we have to address the supply of the key components. So you can't just say, I want to make solar panels here. You've got to make the components affordable, and that's going to take a while. Now, ironically, the tariffs that have been put in place, like five years ago have made things much worse for U.S. manufacturers because there's big tariffs on cells and there's big tariffs on extruded aluminum. So if we eliminate those tariffs, the cells will be cheaper, the aluminum will be cheaper, and it's going to be cheaper for manufacturers in the U.S. to make panels here as opposed to manufacturing them in Asia where there's the cells are cheaper and the aluminum's a lot cheaper. All right, prediction number three. Community solar will struggle to get traction. And we've, we've done shows on this. Community solar is basically a way for people who don't have a good sunny roof to participate in a big solar plant. And th- what the goal of customers is, residential or business customers, is they want cheap solar power and they want clean energy. So if you give them clean energy that's more expensive, they're going to say, hey, you know, I might pay a little bit more, but not a lot. So what happens is when community solar projects are developed by utilities, the utilities typically charge a premium for solar, so customers don't buy. And when the community solar projects are developed independently, what happens is the utilities delay the projects or they add costs or there's interconnection issues. And and they do this so that they can protect their monopoly to sell power. And what happens is, in either case, you can get clean community solar, but if it's done by a utility, they're going to charge a premium, like a few cents a kilowatt hour. And if it's done by an independent business, a lot of times what they're going to find out is by the time they get the thing implemented, it's not as big and they're not able to get the rights to install it. And it just adds up. Now, there is some light at the end of the tunnel when it comes to community solar. More and more local governments are stepping in with something called community choice aggregation programs. 
CCA. Here's another TLA for you. These community choice aggregation programs attempt to break the utility electricity sales monopoly. And, and there's actually one in San Mateo right now where homeowners can elect to buy power from a CCA organization and it comes from clean sources such as solar and wind, and it's a few pennies a kilowatt hour cheaper. Now, the incumbent utilities hate that, but these the local governments have put these programs in place, and you can take advantage of it. All right, prediction number four. State solar organizations are going to gain membership and influence throughout the U.S. as net energy metering and rate design issues are tackled by state public utility commissions. So what's happening is state by state, the utilities are trying to change net metering and change the rates. And the state solar organizations like CalSea, which is the biggest one in the country in California, they actually fight these activities. Now, meanwhile, the, the national solar organization, SIA, is going to be fighting to maintain the good federal programs we have. I call it you know, fighting a rear guard action in, in Washington, D.C. And they want to preserve the investment tax credit, which is on the chopping block. Some people want to eliminate that 30% tax credit. It's huge. They want to change the DOE. They want to eliminate the EPA. So these things are happening, and state organizations are going to grow, and we're going to need to support SIA. Now, the last thing I want to talk about is that the latest TLA, the three-letter acronym, which is going to be important in 2017. I call it behind the meter. It's getting pretty popular. And, and there's a big divide in solar between utility solar power provided by utilities and behind the meter solar power that's basically rooftop solar that is used by homeowners and businesses. This is going to become more and more of a trade-off between utilities providing it and behind the meter customers providing it. And the, the, the reason is that utilities are putting in solar for four cents a kilowatt hour and then they charge 20 cents a kilowatt hour to, to, to customers, whereas homeowners and businesses can put in solar for six or seven cents a kilowatt hour and that's all they pay. So the difference between what the utility pay to put in solar and a homeowner or business pays to put in solar is narrowed so much that the, the overall benefit, because keep in mind, the utilities mark it up by three or four times, is, is much more compelling. And, and I kind of look at it from the perspective of the argument that bigger is better when it comes to solar deployments is, is going away because these big deployments, although they might cost a little bit to install, the utilities charge a lot of money for them. Prediction number six. Small, local, and medium regional rooftop solar companies are going to continue to thrive. And in my experience, and I used to run one of the biggest ones in the country, bigger is better when it comes to the solar uh, rooftop business. It just becomes less and less efficient to, to operate a really, really big national company. Been there, done that for me. And operating a local company or a regional company that may, you know, may just work in like a 100-mile radius or so ends up being much more efficient, and more efficient means better customer service, lower prices, and, and just you know, better longevity for the company. Now, another thing that's happening is companies that use debt or equity that they sell stock in the stock market to generate more revenue is not a sustainable business model. Once again, I've kind of been there. It's important for companies to grow organically, you know, relatively steadily, 20, 30, 40% a year. But if, you, if you're going to throw a lot of money into the rooftop solar business and get really, really big, these companies tend not to be the ones that are around. And the reason is that there's very high customer acquisition costs and it makes it cost prohibitive for any installation company to pursue a very fast growth strategy without these ins outside investors. The reason is that the most efficient way of getting customers is through referrals. And when you spend a lot of money for you know call centers and a lot of internet advertising and buying leads and that kind of thing, you don't necessarily get 
your your referral business. Those aren't referrals. Those leads are more expensive. Those customers are more expensive, and, and that means that you're going to have to charge more money to make sure that your company's profitable. Whereas a company that stays a little bit smaller or local or regional that has a good referral business, they generate customers just through goodwill and through great customer service that they've done over the years. Now, the other thing that's happening is there's going to be more solar financing options to, available to small and medium and solar. So it used to be that only the biggest companies could afford a solar lease or a solar PPA. And those big companies did really well because they're, they're kind of like, you know, in the land of the blind, the, the person with one eye is doing the greatest. But now there's a lot of independent companies that provide lease financing, PPA financing, loans, PACE financing, all kinds of great options. And that means that the local and the regional companies have financing programs that are very affordable and they can still make sure that they're providing high levels of customer service. Now, Meanwhile, the companies that are really operating in a high-pressure sales environment or they, they're just selling solar deals, they do it over the phone and they pressure somebody into buying their solar system, sign the paperwork, and then they flip the contract out to a local installer and usually it's at a high price. These companies are going to find it's going to be really tough to continue to make money because they're I kind of say that they were hooked on the crack cocaine of this no-money-down financing and high-pressure sales and naive customers, which... They're going to close deals, but then they're going to find out that these customers aren't really happy. So they have no referral business, and they're not going to continue to be able to pay these high customer acquisition costs. So I think the model is going to be more towards small, local, small, medium, and local regional installers, and that's clearly what's happening when you look at the data. All right, prediction number seven. Utility deployments and battery storage systems are going to grow really rapidly in the U.S. That's where I think battery storage is going to grow first and fastest in the U.S. There's trial programs at many utilities that are going to drive this initial demand for storage. And then the utilities are able to get income and rate base these installations. So if they spend $20 million to put in a solar um, a storage system, a battery storage system, they actually get to charge their rate payers money for that. So it doesn't really cost them anything. And it improves their bottom lines of the utilities and it improves the bottom lines of the companies that are selling these storage systems. Meanwhile, and this is you know going to guarantee this is going to happen, the customers business customers, homeowners, you're not going to see any impact of other than higher rates. So you're not going to see your electric bill go down because your utility put in storage. It's going to go up, I guarantee. Now, what's going to happen where you can really save is with behind-the-meter energy storage because this is an energy storage system that you're going to invest in yourself. Maybe you get a, a loan or a PPA or a lease for it. These are going to start to be deployed gradually in Hawaii and to a lesser degree in California, but the economics really aren't super strong outside these two states for behind-the-meter energy storage storage. Economics are good for utilities to do it because they can rate base it. They can charge the customers. But for an individual consumer, business, homeowner, not quite yet. But we will see improved economics for these behind-the-meter storage systems in terms of lower equipment costs, easier installations, incentives that are going to come out for battery storage, and even demand charges. There are going to be changes in electric rates that are going to make it more compelling for you as a homeowner or business to put in storage. I kind of look at it from the standpoint of saying, hey, these behind-the-meter energy storage systems are still at the stage that rooftop solar was in 2000. 2000, it was it was kind of new. It was really expensive. You needed big incentives. The equipment was not necessarily super reliable. And boy, look at how much has changed over the past 15, 16 years. It, it's really turned into a very, very big industry. And rooftop solar took about three or four years really to take off once the products were there and the economics were there and the incentives were there. And I see the same thing happening with battery storage. It's, we're going to start seeing installations in 2017, 2018, 2019. It's really going to take off. 
All right, prediction number eight. Customers will not install technology that provides services to utilities. And this is sometimes called distributed energy resources. And boy, utilities would love to give you as a business or consumer some kind of gadget or electronics or service that saves them money. But you're not going to do it unless you can also save money. And what happens is typically these products are given out free or there's a small return value stream, but the utilities typically don't make the value stream big enough. They even did it with rooftop solar. Utilities say, hey, we're going to put solar on your roof and we're going to save you $10 a month and this stuff's going to be on your roof. So for the year, you may save $120, people say. Never mind, not interested, I'm going to put it in myself. So utilities either have to wake up and say they have to pay customers a lot for this, or they're going to see what happens is the customers are going to put their own technology in. I'll give you an example. Smart meters. This was really cool technology. The utility said this is going to be a great thing, it's going to save us money, blah, blah, blah. But it ended up just benefiting the utilities. The rates went up because the utilities rate-based these electronic meters. The customers couldn't get access to their data. Um, it was locked out or, or the data that was available was almost unusable. And then the utilities were able to put in these new what I call customer-unfriendly services, demand charges for homeowners, dynamic time of use rates. We couldn't. They used to not be able to do that because they didn't have the data, but with smart meters they can do it. And it hasn't really helped. The rate, the electric bills keep going up, even though generating costs for solar keep going down. So I think what's going to happen, as we saw with rooftop solar, customers put it in themselves. As we saw with smart thermostats, customers do it themselves. Customers are going to invest in their own energy-saving technology and follow the price signals that are there in the market so that they reap the benefits. On the other hand, utilities are going to try and build this infrastructure themselves, and and that's not really going to take off. So I, I like the intellectual concept of distributed energy resources, But the value to the customers has to be high and tangible and clear and not just to the utilities. Otherwise, the customers aren't going to put it in. They're going to be reluctant. They're going to fight it. And so (laughs) what's going to end up happening is these distributed energy resources or DERs, here's another TLA for you, they're going to actually be deployed by customers. And utilities are going to benefit, but the customers are going to get most of the benefits because they're going to reduce their electric bills. Okay. Prediction number nine. Storage equipment companies are going to continue to underestimate the true cost of their new products in order to generate buzz and initial sales. And we've seen this happen time and time again with new technology. And there's there's certain storage companies out there that are just way low-balling the cost of their storage products. I mean, boy, I cringed when I saw that I could buy a a Tesla Powerwall for $3,500 and put the whole thing in. You know, the, the reality is that system costs more like 15000 and it never really hit the market. It was just kind of in beta. So there are a lot of costs to putting in a storage system, and, and these costs have come down dramatically, and a lot of these companies have gotten a little bit more honest. But there's integration between the components, the storage, the solar, the charger, the software, integration with the car. The, um, the permitting is tricky, or it used to be. The installation was very complicated, the troubleshooting and the service. Now, companies that provide a fully integrated solution, including all the required hardware and software in a single plug-and-play box, or maybe in two boxes. You know, they'll have a box for the inverter and the electronics, and it makes sense to have a box for the battery sometimes because the batteries are kind of big. You might want to swap them out. Those are the companies that are going to get the most initial traction from experienced installers. And I'll tell you, at Cinnamon Solar, we're not looking at doing any you know integration of battery storage systems unless it all comes in one box from one company. Otherwise, I know how much of a hassle it's going to be. And luckily, there are several companies out there that are starting to offer products just like that. And those are the products that are going to really take off. All right. Prediction number 10. 
President Trump is going to embrace solar because it's cheaper and continues to be a jobs engine in the U.S. Over 200,000 people work in the solar industry, more than the coal industry, and more than in all the California utilities combined. So there's a lot of people working there. And you think about putting coal miners back to work. People aren't going to want to buy coal. But people in, you know, Appalachia, places where they're mining coal, those people need electricity and there are really good jobs in the solar industry there. And and that's how we can put people back to work in industries that are kind of been through a decline is with new technology, not with somehow trying to rejuvenate old technology that's kind of passed people by. So I believe that President Trump is going to follow in Obama's footsteps as he welcomes large solar installations all over the country. And there's a lot of utilities that are putting in solar and this is great for big business. He's going to welcome solar manufacturing plants because he's going to make America great again by manufacturing solar panels. And we have to figure out how to do the supply chain, but I think that's going to happen. And I think he's going to put a solar system on one of his non-high-rise properties. He can't put solar on top of Trump Tower because there's like no available roof space for the volume of the building. But maybe on one of his you know, sprawling hotel properties, Maya Largo or whatever in Florida, maybe he can do it there. I don't think he's going to put solar on the new house that he's moving into for the next eight years. Or four. I say eight years, people freak out. But because that house already has solar, and I don't think he's going to take solar off that house. That would be kind of too retro. And on that note, that's all we have time for on this week's Energy Show. So thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in. And if you missed any of today's show, you can always go to our website at cinnamonsolar.com and listen to the podcasts.